Okay, hey, tonight I want to talk to you guys uh, a very, very, um, very well-known story of the Bible. We're going to talk about it a little bit tonight, challenge you guys. Um, it's the story of Jesus walking on the water and Peter, obviously, also walking and then sinking. Um, it's in uh, Matthew chapter 14. If there's one of those chair Bibles around, you can grab one, um, or you can just listen to me. I have a really, really, really good reading voice. Sometimes it squeaks and does weird stuff. Okay, you're just laughing too much now. It's getting a little weird. All right, starting in verse 22, uh, Jesus is hanging out with the disciples. They just got done feeding a bunch of people, 5,000, and uh, he tells them to get into the boat and go, go for a little swim. So it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd after he had, I'm sorry, there goes my good reading voice. Uh, yeah, they go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted, yeah, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, that's like three in the morning, I think, uh, uh, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear bunch of babies. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Do you ever have friends who call you and say, hey, it's me? And you're just like, who? Do you have a name? Me? Right? That's kind of what Jesus did, but they guess they knew who he was. Uh, don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Now, I think Peter, looking back, I think he wished he would have done like a handstand on the water and like walked to Jesus because I think it would have made the story different. Like Jesus walks on water, Peter walks on water. Uh, if you did a handstand, it would have made the story so much better. Anybody agree? No? Thank you. Thank you. That's when you read the Bible, you got to just think about those kind of things. I mean, if you're walking on the water, it's like if a wave comes, is it like kind of like you're on a skateboard? You just like surf up it? You know, I'd be asking these questions when I get to heaven, right? All right, you guys got to open your Bible and think about these things more. So I had this, uh, this friend in college, and he was convinced if he had enough faith, he could walk on water. Um, I'm, not, I'm not joking. And so he decided to go down to the Kirkland waterfront. I wasn't there with him, um, but it is kind of this rumor got started that he was going to step off the dock into Lake Washington and walk on water, because he said, I have enough faith. I go to a Christian college. I'm a man of God. I, I can walk on water. And so um, the stories came back that he fell in. He did not walk on water. It was humorous all over campus. I don't know if Justin, Heidi, if you guys remember that. He was on my floor. Was a, lived across the hall from me. Really, really funny story, right? But man, you got to give the guy props. At least try it. I mean, okay? Before you die, try to walk on water. Say, God, I have faith, I believe, and just do it, you know. If you want, we'll film it, make a funny video out of it. But that guy kind of reminds me of Peter. Peter was this guy in the Bible who was just kind of very zealous, out of control for his faith, what he believed. Um, there are times where Peter, uh, when Jesus said he would deny him, he said, no, I won't. I'll never deny you. Uh, and then he ends up denying him. He, uh, when Jesus is going to be arrested, he cuts the guy's ear off trying to save Jesus. 
right? He jumps out of the, of the boat into the water. Peter is this really zealous, really just kind of crazy guy. And this story to me is interesting. Uh, I've, I've read it a ton of times. I've heard it talked about. And we're going to kind of look at it tonight. Um, and hopefully you can pull something, pull something from it. Uh, the title is, uh, that I've uh, titled tonight is One in Twelve. One in Twelve. So basically the story goes that the disciples are hanging out with Jesus. He says, all right, it's time to go. Let's go to the other side of the lake, jump in the boat. I'm going to go up and pray. So the 12 disciples go out. And what happens is a storm and the boat's rocking, right? They're freaking out. They're scared. And Jesus comes walking out in, in the wee hours of the morning and just freaks them out, scares them. I mean, just imagine you're probably thinking you're hallucinating if you're on a boat and you see somebody walking towards you, right? It's not Bruce Almighty. Uh, it's some crazy ghost. And they freak out. They freak out. And Jesus says, hey, don't, don't be scared. It's me. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, God, yeah, gotcha. We, we know your voice. So what happens? Peter, again, this guy who's just very zealous, just, man, he's all, he's out there. What does he say? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out. Right? What, what's he doing? Again, being just crazy out there, very overzealous. And he asks a question, and that's the first fill-in is Peter asked. Peter asked Jesus. He asked him a question. And the interesting, the interesting thing to me is Peter, one of 12 disciples, was the only one who said something. And, yeah, we can dog Peter. We can get down on him and say, man, you doubted. You ended up sinking. If Jesus wasn't there, you would have drowned, right? But he asked the question, and, and that's smart of him because it could have gone the other way. He could have been just so overzealous, like when he cut the guy's ear off, he could have just been like seeing Jesus and be like, oh, awesome, I want to I walk on the water. And just like he just goes for it, you know, and just, and his disciples, the other disciples like, what, what was that? Like, look over the boat. That was dumb. What was he thinking, right? But what does he do? He asks God. And you, as a young person, you have to develop this faith in life. And faith basically is trust in God. We sometimes talk about faith like my faith, my Christianity, my belief. But ultimately, faith is about your trust and your belief in God. That you trust, you give him your whole life. And each of us need to develop that in our life. And it starts at this age that you're at now. If you think back when you were a little kid, right, you're growing up with your parents, you kind of start to trust your parents a little bit as time goes on right? They clean your butt when you poop, you know? <laughs> we work back here. The offices are here, and there's, like, little babies behind this wall. And I'm walking by, and I'm seeing some dad, like, wiping his baby's butt. I'm like, come on, dude. I don't want to smell that. I've been smelling donkey dung all day. I don't want to smell little baby poop. But babies slowly develop that trust and faith. I heard a story, a story a friend of mine told me, um, he has his kids were starting to grow up, I think. And, uh, he had taught his kid to like trust him and jump off the kitchen counter and like he'd catch him. Right. Well, you know, you develop that trust in your kid and kids sometimes are not smart. And he turned his back once and the kid just jumped and just like face plant on the kitchen floor, crying all, you know, great story to tell, but not, you know, be there in the moment. But little kids will begin to trust you the more time they spend with you, and they, they, they build that trust in that relationship. And in your relationship with God, as you start off in this thing, you slowly build that trust and that faith in God. And this is a great story of Peter walking on the water, great story of faith. But it's not just about that. When we place our faith and trust in God, when God comes through for us, when he's there, 
You know what that does for us? That builds our relationship. I can trust God a little bit more now because what? He reached out, he saved me as I was thinking, as Peter's thinking. You know, as he pulled him out of the water, Peter's going, that was close, right? I could have gone the other way. I could be, you know, that's where that little dance with the little nose thing, you know, in the 60s, 70s, that's where that came from, actually. You can read it in the other Bible that I don't have. But you do, yeah, the Mormon Bible. If you're Mormon here tonight, that's cool, but talk to me afterwards. But um, we all, that, we begin to develop that faith. And when God is there for you and he reaches out his hand and he picks you up, it's not just a cool miracle that happens. Yeah, it's, it's part of that. But really, that's between you and God and your relationship. Where because of that faith where you stepped out, God then takes, takes you, picks you up, and your faith begins to build. And you can see that God is there for you. And Peter asks, he asks the question, God, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out. And that's crucial for you and I. We've got to understand, I know a lot of people who very, very full of faith, man, they'll jump off a pier, you know. They'll like jump off a building if you ask them to. Very much like God is on my side, God is with me, which is true. But sometimes people like that fail to stop and ask the question, God, do you really want me to do this? Because, man, we can just be like Peter, overzealous, man, just go crazy. Cutting guys' ears off, right? Oh, God, I'm never going to deny you. Then the next minute you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't go to church. What are you talking about? We can do those things. I lost my train of thought. I hate that. Where's that? Overzealous. Ask the question. Thank you. So we've got to stop and say, hey, you know what? Does God really want me to do this? And that's what Peter asked. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out. Tell me to come out. Because it could have gone the other way. He could have just step over the boat and okay well maybe that wasn't God's will necessarily for you at that moment but we've got to stop and begin to ask the question and ask God God is this what you want for me and many of you are waiting for a breakthrough in your life many of you are waiting for your parents to come to church man you're a committed Christian but your parents aren't guess what you got to start asking God help me to be an influence in my parents life help me to be some sort of light in the midst of darkness but many of you may not see a miracle in your life if you don't ask. You've got to step up and begin to ask God. God, is this your will? I want it to be, but God, is it your will? And when it comes to salvation, man, God's will is everybody. God wants every single person on earth to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to give him uh, their life and, and live that faith that we're talking about. So you almost don't even have to ask God that one. You just, say, you just ask for it. God, my parents need you. My parents are lost. God, help me to be an example to them. Help me to, to have something that I can say to them. Uh, God, help them to know you. You've got to ask. You've got to start there. You can't just always assume, all right, God's yeah, he's just going to do his thing. And I'm just going to be part of it. Sometimes you've got to take a step back and go, okay, God, I'm going to be more analytical about this. Is this something you want me to do? Because sometimes we just live life, right? We don't ask God. We're not strategic about things. We just kind of go, I'm a teenager. I play video games. I eat Cheetos. The Cheetos organic ones, by the way, those are good. I, no, I don't know if they're white cheddar, but they're good. I ate like a half a bag the other day. I got it all in my fingers. You don't want to eat Cheetos after you've pet donkeys and stuff because then you get stuff in your nails and it's gross. Yeah, teenagers, thank you, Caitlin. All throughout the Bible, you will read, you will see God encouraging his people to ask him, to put their faith and trust in him. That's what God desires for you and I. And if we never ask God, if we never take the time and begin to ask God these things, some of us may not see miracles in our life. 
But if we begin to ask, and I've shared this story with you guys before, when I was working construction through college, uh, I began to pray, Lord, give me opportunities to share my faith with, um, with people, wherever I would be, whatever housework and construction, whatever it is. And I kid you not, every single time I prayed, God would open up a door and I could share what I believed, share what I was going to school to become. Uh, and I, it opened a door. And what I learned in that is that God wants to use each of us. God wants each of us to be uh, involved with what he's doing here on planet Earth. All right, not Mars, so don't like go join NASA and try to live on Mars. It's a bad place. I've been there in my dreams. But God wants us to be involved in what's happening here on earth. And he wants to use you because you will find fulfillment, you will find satisfaction when you begin to operate in how God created you. You were created by God for God. Does that make sense? So God, you got to start asking. you got to just open up that line of communication with God and begin to ask. The second thing Peter did, and again, going against almost who Peter was, is that Peter waited and it was only a split second, but he waited. He said, God, if it's you, ask, or ask me to come out. And he waited for God's response. And I think so often in church, what we have done is we have conditioned um, people uh, to have a monologue with God, not a dialogue, a monologue, one-way conversation, where we talk to God, we just say what we want to say, and then we kind of go the other way. We say, okay, God, this is the deal. I'm really struggling right now in school. I hate it. I'm getting bad grades. Um, there's this girl. She likes me, and she's got buck teeth, and you've got to do something about that. Uh, I slipped a note of an orthodontist in her locker, um, but it didn't work. She's still got buck teeth. You know, we do that. We say those things to God, and that's it. We walk away. Going, All right, God, you got it. Fix it. I'll be back tomorrow morning, right? The problem is, is that God's going, okay, well, I was going to talk back, but you're gone. And you, again, in this, this early stages of your walk with God, your Christian, your faith, whatever you want to call it, you have got to, again, start to develop this dialogue, not just monologue, where you say you communicate to God, but then you stop and you listen. You close your eyes. You're scared of the dark, leave them open, whatever. You close your eyes and you begin to just quiet yourself, meditate if you want to call it that. Think about God, focus on God. It's going to be very difficult when you first start doing this because your mind is going to be racing. Because we are in this society where it's just like we're 100 miles an hour. Uh, we have fast cars. We have fast internet. Everything's fast. We don't stop and just chill. And you've got to begin to develop that in your life where you can stop and you can just say, God, okay, speak to me. And now I feel God speaks to me as often in, his, in the Bible as I'll read something. But often also it's in my, in my spirit where I'm just sitting there quiet before God. And God be, I begin to think things. And it's not just my natural thoughts. I believe it's God speaking to me, using my, the spirit, his spirit lives inside of me. And you can do that as well. It just takes practice. You've got to start and just go, okay, today I'm going to be quiet for one minute. One minute. Right? And you just be quiet and let God speak to you. Because if you create this dialogue, almost this God that's only there when you've got a problem, that will not work. You will eventually be done, tired, uh, because you're going to be like, God, you're not speaking to me. What's going on? Because you're not stopping. You're not letting him speak to you. So Peter waited. He chilled. He let God respond and say, God, is this what you want? Is this your will for me? And if you can develop that in your life, like I said, your, your prayer life will be more alive, active, because if you just talk, just imagine if one of your friends, every time they came to you, all they did was talk, 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 and then they left. You just call them the me monster. If you like uh, Brian Regan, go on YouTube. Hilarious. He calls them the me monsters. People who just talk about themselves all the time. Right? What would you do? You'd be like, dude, 
you're an idiot. I don't like you. Go away. You're thinking that. You're not saying it because your friends just talking. They couldn't hear you if you said it anyways. But they just talk and talk and talk. Well, that's how God, I, I don't know if he's not going to call you an idiot. But God is just, all we do is talk. And he's just like, all right. He could just like squish us if he wanted. But he loves us and he doesn't. So just remember that. You know, if I were God, I would do things different. I, and on a serious note, I watched a movie the other day. It had to do with like child molesters. That whole movie wasn't about it, but there was a child molester in it. And seriously, if I were God, I'd have a really hard time not just like wiping those kind of people out. I'm being serious. I'm just being honest with you right now. Um, what? Exactly. Thank you, John. That's why I am not God. Stephanie, what are you laughing at? <laughs> if I were God, yeah, I'd have bigger muscles. And these jeans would fit a little bit looser. I wore these because these are like I was anticipating donkey time. And I was like, you were noticing? Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was going to change, but I didn't have time because I locked my keys in my car. Alex, can you edit that out of the podcast, please? Okay, uh, the last thing that Peter did that we can, we can look at here is Peter obeyed. Peter listened. Uh, he asked the question, and then in the end, he obeyed. Because if all we do is ask God and we wait, but nothing happens, you might as well stop talking to God. James talks about uh, faith without works is dead. Same thing, faith without obedience is dead. If our, if our life, if our spiritual relationship with God, if there's no obedience, I would say this, there's no relationship. If we will not be obedient to God, then we don't have a relationship. We could care less what God thinks, we'll just do our own thing. That is not a relationship. If Melanie and I operated like that, and sometimes we do, sometimes I'm stubborn, and she asked me to put the ice cream away, but I don't want to at the moment. <laughs> and then the next morning, it's still sitting there. I've never done ice cream overnight. Never ice cream overnight. Sometimes leftovers sit there on the counter overnight. But, dude, if you nuke it, it's just like 1,000 watts is running through that stuff. It's, like, good, even if it's growing something on it. Did you know if you microwave water and then put a seed in it and then take normal water and put a seed in it, the seed will grow in the normal water but not the microwave water? Write that down. Point number four. Point number four. I'm, I kid you not. It's like all those things going on. I think they're called microwaves that go through there. It's like messing the food up, man. It's just like not good for you. You might as well just eat donkey stuff. Obedience. If all, if all our relationship with God is, is we can ask God, we can say, God, what do you want for my life? We can ask God for, for miracles. We can ask God for things. And then he tells us, but then there's no obedience. There's no action on our part. Again, there's no relationship. Faith without works is dead. If there is nothing backing up what you believe, do you really believe it? If there is no action on your part, I would venture to say, all right, well, maybe you don't believe it. And again, this obedience thing for some people is just like, Kind of people who have like, um, what's the word, um, authority issues, right? People who like to be the boss of their own life. When you talk about obedience, these people kind of get like upset, right? And they just like start to move around in their seat a little bit. Because what do they think? They don't like being told what to do. And that's, again, not, not what it is about. If you feel like you have to do something because you've got to be obedient to God, well, okay, then let's take a step back. Let's begin to trace your steps back for that moment when you opened your life up, gave your life to Jesus. At that moment, you weren't thinking, oh, man, so if I give my life to God, I got to do what he says. That's stupid. Yo. I don't know what's going with that voice. 
right? In that moment when you've opened your life to God and said, God, I, I surrender. Man, you can have my life. God, I, I, you, you've saved me from a life of Satan, hell stuff, right? In that moment, you're not thinking, oh, I don't want to obey God. You're so grateful. But at some point, we kind of get in this funk of Christianity where it's like, oh, I got to do what God says now. We kind of like lose the joy of our salvation as, as David talks about in Psalms. We should be motivated and encouraged, man, if God's asked us to do something, there's a reason for it. He wants to use us for something. So we've got to be obedient. And again, it cannot be motivated by the like, guilt part of it or, well, okay, God asked me to, so I better do it. If that is how you are motivated or if that's how you feel, if you read something in the Bible, I would encourage you, let's take, take some steps back. Let's look. Let's look at when you gave your life to Christ and just even do self-evaluation. Man, when was that moment when God was so real to me, when I opened my life up and I felt him? Man, you weren't thinking some of the things you're probably thinking now. Maybe that joy that you had needs to be restored. As this story talks about Peter walking on the water, it's phenomenal. It's great. It's exciting. I'm sure he had some great stories to tell his friends and family when I got back on land. Oh, I just forgot I had this great slide to show you. There's actually not been two people who have walked on water. There's a third. That's a funny picture. There's this guy getting chased by a bull into the water, and he's like, uh, like that, and he looks like he's running on water. I had, I've totally forgot to put it in the PowerPoint. Darn it. Oh, maybe I'll bring it next week. But walking on the water with Peter was it's a great story. It can pull some great things from it and learn from it. But you've got to understand is that was a moment in the life of Peter where he was, man, stepping up, like, man, I'll be, I'll be one in 12. I'll be the guy who, who sticks my neck out uh, and can possibly have this cool story of walking on water. And he does. And my, and my challenge to you is be, be that one in 12, but do it according to like how Peter did. But this is a moment in Peter's life that he remembered until the day he died. I can guarantee you that. He remembered that moment. He thought about it, I'm sure, time and time again as he was grabbing for Jesus as he sunk. But what I, what, what I want you to walk away when you read this passage and think about this is the moment in Peter's life when he stepped out in faith, the connection he had with Christ to that moment where Jesus was there for him, he was never the same. He was forever different. Had a great memory. And in your life, God can be that for you. God can be the person who can reach out, can save you, can be there for you. And the point of that faith, again, is tr- putting your trust in God. Putting your trust in God so when you walk away from that moment when God has been there for you, your relationship is a little bit stronger. Your relationship's a little bit deeper. You know God a little bit better. You appreciate, you love God a little bit more. And if you have those moments and you don't walk away like that, Step back and think about that. Think about that instant, that moment. Because God wants to be there for you. God wants to be your Savior, as the Bible talks about. And as you guys in, the, in this time of high school, middle school, there are opportunities that you can step out. You can see miracles happen. And you just start small. Start with those small steps in your life. Begin to pray and ask that God would, would save your parents, would, would get them to come to church, uh, whatever, whatever the thing in your life is. Begin to ask God, pray for that, and let God speak back to you. And then you got to step out and be obedient in your, in your part of that equation and what God wants to do. And I pray that you will grow 
as each of those case and case and case after case as you grow in your walk with God that will build there are times in my life I look back that God has been there when I'm doubting God when I'm thinking man okay God are you really real and as as I was talking earlier about that movie I was watching I was thinking the next day I was questioning okay God if you're really real how can you allow that stuff to happen how can you let crazy people like that do stuff like that and I think back at times where God has been there in my life. And it's those times um, that I feel, um, not reassured, but I, I feel God is there. I feel God in my life. Because you can argue your way in and out of Christianity. You can say, you know, whatever you want against it. You can find reasons to not believe in it. But when God has been there for you, when you've had a, a Peter experience in your life, you don't have doubt. You know God's been there for you. So step out in faith. Believe that God can do something through you. Believe that God wants to use you. You can be a one in 12. The rest of those 11 suckers are like, man, I wish I would have jumped out of the boat. You know, like grab Peter as he's like walking away. No, man, we missed it. We're the 11 in 12. They, they did math back then. You can, you can be one of these one in 12s. You can be somebody who makes a difference. I believe that. I believe in each one of you. I really do. If I could look you each one of you in the eye, I believe in you. I believe God has uh, amazing things in store for your life. But guess what? The ball's in your court. It's up to you. What? You don't like that analogy? Ball's in your court? This ruined the moment, man. I was going somewhere. I, I seriously, I do. I believe in you. God has great things in store for your life. The ball is in your court. We'll end with that. Let's close in prayer. God, thanks for this night, God, uh, that we can come to church. God, have fun, laugh, have a good time. God, but I pray that we'd walk away, not just memories of, of the funny things, God, but I pray that we'd walk away, um, God, knowing a little bit more about you, God, knowing that you're there for us. God, but I believe uh, wholeheartedly, God, that you're, you're speaking to us individually. God, I've, I've grown as I've, I've read this, these verses. God, I pray that wherever these students are at in their life, God, I pray that they could pull something from this. God, that you would speak to them specifically. God, they could apply this to their life, God, and see some change, see some difference, God, that's happening inside them. God, I pray that each of these, God, students, God, that you would use, God, in incredible ways. God, that they could uh, just be blown away, God, how powerful you are, God, how much you love them and want to uh, use them. God, and, and be a part of their life. God, we love you. Uh, thanks for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, no service next week. Broomball sign-ups. Here, get your packets up here. Um, you need to bring this home. Have your mom or your dad or your little sister sign it for you. Um, it's got the permission stuff slip form on there. Broomball is phenomenal. Let me just tell you, it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. There's about a 67% chance you're going to get hurt. Um, and there's a 90% chance I made that statistic up. And there's 95% chance 90% of statistics are made up. But anyways, uh, grab one of those forms. Um, no service next week. It's going to be great. Have a good Easter. And you guys rock.